Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 46 of Yoga Land. On today's episode, I talked to Jessamine Stanley. Jessamine is a world traveling yoga teacher. She's based in North Carolina. And right now she's traveling around the country promoting her book, Everybody Yoga. And we talk about her book today, but honestly, I've been wanting to speak to Jessamine for a while. She started documenting her yoga practice years ago on Instagram when it was a brand new app and she had no idea that this simple act of taking photos of her poses so that she could assess kind of where she was in her progress and and get feedback from other people. She had no idea that she would just a few years later have 300,000 Instagram followers, a book deal, and that she would quite frankly catapult to fame as one of the main voices in the body positive yoga movement. But here she is, her Instagram account, if you haven't seen it, is really gorgeous. You should follow her. It's my name is Jessamine. And she's been in so many major media outlets, Shape, Glamour, People, New York Magazine, Good Morning America, now Yoga Land, the most exciting one yet. I had a great time talking to Jessamine and I highly recommend her book. She's, she's really funny. She's a great storyteller and she has a very clear mission of inspiring everyone to do yoga regardless of their age, their gender identity, their body type, their feeling about their overall capability. She has a very clear mission and I think she's accomplishing that. Before we get to the interview, I just wanted to announce that we have a few spots left in our annual yoga retreat to Maui. It's such a great retreat. This is our fourth year doing it. It's October 4th through 10th, 2017, and you don't want to miss it. If you want to get more information, you can go to jasonyoga.com slash retreat for more details. And if you're enjoying the podcast, as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button or leave me an iTunes review. And I've made it easier for you to figure out how to do both of these things. You can go to jasonyoga.com slash subscribe for instructions on how to subscribe on whichever app you use. And you can also go to jasonyoga.com slash review for a step-by-step really cool visual graphic on how to leave an iTunes review. All right. Enjoy the interview, everyone. See you on the other side. When you started out on Instagram, which is probably your largest platform now, you were not seeking fame. You didn't even necessarily know you were going to find community. You just wanted to post your photos to see your practice and your, uh, your progress in your poses. Yeah. And it's funny because like, I feel like if Instagram was then the way it is now, I probably would never have posted a picture. Like I think that I, I kind of had to get in on the ground floor of that because when I first started, it was really just like very serious practitioners, teachers, people who were giving each other feedback. And I was so impressed by the practices of people that I was like, dope, this is going to be the place where I can like get the feedback that I'm not getting in my home practice. And I think that's one of the reasons that people tend to stop practicing asana at home is because 
it's hard to see your progress over time and it's hard to really feel like a connection with it. And I think it's helpful if you have the photos to track your progress over time. And there were no, I mean, now there's like a million challenges and yeah. so many brands. And back then I remember there was the gross soul, beautiful challenge. And it was the same challenge every month. They had like 30 days and 31 days and I guess 28 for February. And that was it. And like, I would only take photos of certain asana that I felt like I was comfortable enough with, that I was okay to. And I would take the photos from weird angles because I was so self-conscious about the way that my body looked in the photos, which turned into the whole process of taking the photos turned into a whole better understanding of my body. Not necessarily the putting it on Instagram part, but that turned out to be a really beautiful kind of therapy for me. But in the beginning, it really wasn't like that. And it also wasn't about building a brand or building a platform. And I was even so against becoming a teacher for a very long time. Like even after I'd had the number of followers was growing and I'd had quite a lot of press uh, notoriety, I was still just like, well, that's a big leap, no matter what. I mean, being a teacher is a big seat to step into, you know, it's. Yeah, I just didn't understand why I needed to be a teacher because mm. there's there are literally thousands of yoga teachers. And at the time, I was very much like, because some people get into it because of a, it's like a career move or something. They'll be like, oh, well, you know, I could teach yoga on the side or I could teach yoga as my main thing or whatever. I was not thinking like that at all. I was like, like people would ask me to come teach them all over the world. And I would recommend other teachers. I would recommend like different <laughs> online classes. I'd be like, why do you need for me to come? teach you there are so many people so what changed your mind like how did you shift <laughs> well basically I just had so it was a lot of people who would be like oh my god come to Switzerland come to Australia come to you know, all these different places and I just be like oh my god okay you know, maybe but the major obstacle for me then what seemed like the big obstacle was I had the money to do this because going to a YTT is extremely expensive. Yes. Like there are some that are not as expensive, but in any case, like you were walking away from work. I was working two jobs. Like there, it just seemed like, yeah. how could I possibly take a month off? I was going to do this month long immersion program. And it was just like, how could I possibly take a month off of work to do this and to do it with money that I don't have? Right. What it really came down to I was talking to my father one time and he's been extremely against all of this from the very beginning. Like he does not care about social media. Like this is not a thing for him. And I dropped out of grad school to move to Durham where I live now. And in that he was so pissed when I left grad school. So that he was just like, so you dropped out of grad school to go somewhere where you don't have a job or a plan. And now you, now you're going to like be taking pictures of yoga on Instagram. Okay, great. That's going to lead to a 401k. You know what I mean? So he was just like, anytime that we talked about anything going on in my life, it was always like, when are you going back to grad school? That's it. Like, yeah. He didn't care about anything. He's a good parent. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. He understood that I was like going through a transition of sorts, but he was like, you need, this transition needs to have an end game. Like you need to figure it out. And so I, one time we were talking I think I'd been on people.com or something. And he was like, and people is something, you know, or I can't remember if people is what it was, but it was some news source where it was like relevant to him, you know, cause like he does not, he does not care about the internet. So it's like, it could be any kind of press thing. And he'd be like, I don't care. But I guess people was like, Oh, he okay, knew people. Is, yeah. Yeah. He's like, we know this. So yeah. He said, 
he was like, well, Justin, what's going on with this yoga thing? Your mom told me that you were in people or whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Da, da. And he was like, so are you going to be a teacher or what's happening with this? And I was like, well, maybe. I don't know. I don't have the money to do it. So I don't know. And um, he was like, well, how much money does it cost? And I was like, $3,000. I know. <laughs> he was like, but then he was like, oh, well, what if we could find a way to get you that money? would you go then? And I was like, if this dude who has been saying the whole time that he like, can't even understand why, if he is saying that I should do it, then it means that the universe wants me to do it. Yeah. And it was no small thing. Like I had, I had to quit one of my jobs. The other job I had to get someone to fill in for me for a month. And it was just this, the whole thing. But I think of myself very much as my personal practice, my teaching practice, all of it. I think of it as before YTT and after YTT, because Hmm. that experience really opened my eyes to why there have to be so many teachers and why truly everyone should be a yoga teacher. And that if you are looking within yourself and having a really honest conversation with your own barriers and really trying to look within to see that light that connects the entire universe, that you will reflect that to other people and that that is the teaching. And that while my teaching style may not resonate for everyone, it could resonate for one person and that that is the reason to do it. And when I went into YTT, I really wasn't even thinking about, I wasn't thinking about that larger conversation. I wasn't even thinking about teaching truly. I was just kind of like, oh, I mean, I guess I'll go into this and I'll learn more about alignment of my asana. And, yeah. And that's, I think, a pretty common motivating factor to start um, a training program. And sometimes that's where it lives. But for me, I felt like I literally had my heart cracked open. Like mm. as much as it could be, it was a very like a fairly small crack when you think about the complexity, the large complexities of life, but it was a crack nonetheless. And it was something that I really, it just, it woke me up. And so when I left YTT, I just like got on Instagram and I was like, okay, let me, let me make a list of all the places that y'all want me to go. And I just have a giant list that in my mind, I'm just gradually working my way down that list. And I feel like I will teach for as long as I'm meant to teach. I did not aspire to do this. It's not like I have long-term, like a five-year plan or a 10-year plan. I think that for me, it's just about trying to teach as many people as possible who want for me to teach them. And then when there are no more people left, then I won't teach anymore. Yeah. But there's just a million different ways to reach people in that. Because like, I can't physically be everywhere all the time. I can teach classes. I can teach workshops. I can teach locally in my own community. But then I can also teach online classes so that I can reach more people. You can reach even more people by writing a book. You can teach, like there's so many different ways to communicate with people. And so to me, that's the reason to pursue the other methods of communication. But otherwise, it's just, still me trying to answer that initial call for, okay, you want me to come teach wherever? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's great. I mean, that's amazing. And I'm glad that you feel like you had that shift in teacher training where it made sense and you can feel why it's important for your voice to be out there and for you to be out there. I mean, that's kind of essential if you're going to, because, you know, my husband's a yoga teacher. He's been traveling for a long time and it's not easy. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's the part that people don't necessarily see is it's, the traveling's hard on the body. It's hard on the mind. It can be lonely. It is gratifying to serve your students, but you do have to remember that your students' adoration is not the same as yes. love. You know, it's not yes. the same as the 
peep the core people in your life who love you. And oh my God, stay I, up for the cheap seats in the back. <laughs> yes, you know. And so it's you know, my husband calls me all the time from you know a hotel room. He's like, I wish you guys were here. And you know, (laughs) you do have to feel a calling, I think, to do what you're doing. And I'm glad that you feel it. And I'm glad that you're doing it. I I was introduced to you through Catherine Budig. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were having a conversation about body positivity. And she's like, go check out Jessamine. And (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I think what you do is totally inspiring. I, I don't know if you know this, but I worked at Yoga Journal for a long time. And I think that we really undervalued the importance of diversity. And I mean, like this interview is not about me, so I'm not going to go into all my, my whole soft oh, story. I have all the questions about that now, God, but I'll, I'll wait. We'll talk about that <laughs> offline. Cause it's, cause I yeah. definitely don't want this to be about me, but I will totally talk to you, answer any questions you have, but I regret, I regret, I do regret mm. the, just not understanding the importance of showing different people. Mm. I think we were so focused on being a classical. Well, okay. I'll speak for myself. I was so focused on getting the asana perfectly right. That was really my goal. I wanted it to like live forever. I wanted it to be like light on yoga where you look at light on yoga and you're like, oh my God, that person is so adept. Like I want to be that, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that that was, it was just a disservice to like the larger community, to the community as a whole. So I think that what you've done and what a lot of people other of other people are doing, it's amazing to me because it speaks to the power of the internet, mm-hmm. right? Like before mm-hmm. self-publishing, this wouldn't, wouldn't have necessarily happened. And Absolutely. now you've been in shape, you've Absolutely. been in people, you've been in all these ma- massive mainstream publications. I mean, yeah. I think it's great. I, I wonder for you if, if you're feeling like, good about that if you're feeling like the landscape is changing or if you feel like there's still a long way to go? I feel like I honestly don't spend a lot of time thinking about the landscape because in my eyes, the landscape has never included. I don't wait for the media to include me or people who are marginalized because ultimately the media is going to reflect what they think will make people spend money. And right now they're starting to realize that it's basically like they realize, oh, shit, there's a lot of fat girls who aren't spending hmm. money and we should get them to spend money. So let's get this one fat girl over here and now then they'll spend money. Like that's where the conversation is right now. And hmm. I don't really see that as an evolution of anything. And I don't really care because mm-hmm. I don't think that it's representative of they're not, uh, you know, I mean, it just kind of kind of is what it is. Well, I will say the one positive, though, is for kids. Right. Because it's kids that is true. who consume mm-hmm. like adult ma- media magazine. You know, it was like when I was 12, I wanted to be looking at Cosmo. I didn't want to be looking at yeah. like junior teen Vogue. I wanted to be looking at the adult versions of things. And even just being Italian, like I didn't see myself yeah. in those magazines no, totally. in the 70s and 80s. But I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Like in our culture, media money is always it's always there, like no matter what. But I I see the importance of diversity in media. I've had way too many people come to me and say, like, because I saw you, like, specifically because of this, now I felt like I could do something. Yeah. I feel like that's totally legit, but eventually, one day, they will move on to something else. I think it does all of humanity a disservice for us to look for our reflections in the media. Mm. And that's something that I really wish had been impressed upon me as a young person, because I think that I spent a lot of time 
being disappointed that I could not find anyone who looked like me. It's like to have someone like Octavia Spencer now, like actually out in the open, that shit was not happening. Like this is not, not at all. And I still got to this. Yeah. I don't think it's necessary to have those kinds of reflections. I think it's awesome. And I think that we should strive for that. Like as a general, oh, it would be great if this thing can happen. But the reality is that we're living in a world that, and I can only imagine that this affected yoga journal as well. I would assume it continues to affect them. That is run by cisgender heterosexual white men and who they want to have sex with. And if you are in that category, then they will be they will be interested in what you have to do. But in general, those people do not have respect for Black women specifically. And I'm not going to sit over here asking for respect. And I feel like that's what I see a lot of within the body positivity movement specifically, because it's so much of this, like trying to break the glass ceiling or like trying to like looking for acceptance. And you cannot ask for acceptance from your oppressor because your oppressor is never going to give you acceptance. They don't, Mm -hmm. they don't want for you to be equal. They want for you to continuously be coming to them. Like, please put me in your magazine. Please pay attention to me. Like, I don't care. And thankfully the internet is now a way where we can all communicate with one another and Mm -hmm. bypass that. So that's dope. But I think that the most important thing for me, like just as an individual, is not to think about the long-term effects and to just try to stay in the moment and be really concerned with maintaining my overall confidence so that I can inspire that confidence in other people. But like, I feel like it's not a good use of time to go about it the other way, just because it it requires such a huge energetic output anyway, that it's like, yeah, so I'm gonna spend all my time like trying to figure out how we. I've been shocked by the amount of like media press interest in anything related to me. But then whenever I think about it, I'll be like, well, obviously they just think that someone's gonna click on it. Like that's really what it comes down to. It's like whether or not it's click worthy. And then one day when it's not click worthy, they won't do it anymore. And I'm still gonna be practicing yoga. I'm gonna offer you just another perspective, which is just having been on the media side of things. I think if you were not as articulate as you are, if you were not as good at telling your story, if you were not as self-aware as you are, I don't think you would have gotten this press. That is true. I've followed you for a while and obviously preparing for this interview, I read your book and I like devoured as much as many interviews as I could. And like, you are just really good at telling your story. You're a great writer. You have a story that's really relatable. You're really relatable. And you've done a lot of self-reflection, like you've done the yoga. I just want to offer that perspective as so as to not discount yourself as like just the external package. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's helpful for me to be reminded that it's like, I think it comes off as kind of like pessimistic, but it's also just me being real. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it's just kind of, it is what it is. One thing that I fear because of the way that this whole industry is shaped, I fear the ego. And it's something that has plagued me my entire life. Me like being, because I mean, I was really into musical theater as a kid, like really into always been a performer. And it's a very, very, and I do think that that's why so many performers end up being drawn to teaching yoga. And it's something that I'm just constantly checking myself on. It's like, yeah. It's probably the biggest part of my, well, no, how do you really gauge these things? I don't know. It's a big part of my personal practice and something that 
even in spite of everything that happens now, I'm still trying to maintain. It's only because I don't want to give that impression of this practice. Mm -hmm. And I feel like especially for people who have come to prominence because of social media, it's really, specifically yoga people, that it's just really important to be conscious of that because you're influencing so many people and giving them the impression that like, yeah, you should seek your you, likes are important. You know, like the, yeah. the qualities of your the photos are important. Like these are things, like that's not what I want for people to think about yoga. And I'm glad that other people can have a different perspective on it. And that to me is awesome. Yeah. But I feel like for me, I have to keep it. I have to keep it all under. I think that's smart. Yeah. I think it's very smart. You're like, you need the likes. You need people to show up for class and tell you how much they're inspired by you. Like this. And I just am like, oh, I just don't want to feel that way about it. Yeah. I just remember when I went through my teacher training and I was not a teacher for very long because I don't think it was the right fit for me. Although I am now considering teaching kids again. Yes. Yeah. But I remember I, I went through teacher training with Sarah Powers and she said, I think her teacher said this to her, but she said, when a student comes up to you after class and tells you like how amazing it was and it was the best class they ever took and it was life changing and you've been everything to them. You say thank you and you take it in and you hold on to it for one minute and then you yep. let it go. And then and she said, <laughs> and when someone comes up to you and says like, I, I just, I want my, I want class to be harder or that was too hard for me <laughs> or I want it to be slower or you overhear something negative, right? You take it in, you hold on to it for one minute and then you let it go. And it's Always like, the same. yeah, all the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's such good advice. I thought so too. I, I've, I've advice. like, I've always kept that with me. I'm going to keep it with me. <laughs> so, okay. I want to ask you another question about this idea of inclusivity. So it, it seems to me from your book that you started out in Bikram yoga, which totally blew my mind mm. because Bikram yoga <laughs> is so intense. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I love it. You transitioned to being, which you call yourself a vinyasa teacher now, right? Yeah, I'm like vinyasa style. I mean, yeah. It's my classes are very much in the traditional vein of a vinyasa class. Okay. I'm not a vinyasa teacher officially though. And one of the things you mention in the book is you offer the advice if you feel uncomfortable going into a yoga studio, you know you can you can practice at home and you can start practicing at home. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great. And actually I pretty much only practice at home now. But well, I guess I wondered if you made that transition from Bikrin to Vinyasa all on your own at home. And then I wonder if there's a way that we can make yoga studios more inclusive in some way, whether it's the teacher, or the students, or just the feeling in the yoga studio so that people don't feel like they can only practice at home. There's a lot of reasons why I emphasize the home practice, mostly because I think that you can maintain the home practice even when you're in an environment where like you don't have a class or a teacher that feels really comfortable for you. 
primarily because it's so common to go into classes and feel like you should not be there and and that the teacher is making you feel that way or that the other people in the room are making you feel that way and I think that it's important to have a space where you always feel good about it so that even if you do walk into an environment where you don't feel good you still know within yourself that it's not about the other people who are in the room but it is really fucking hard to get to that place where you're like oh I just don't care you know like, yeah. like I'm not gonna pay attention to what other people think and I think that if you ID that as the problem, then that's a problem that can be fixed in all studios because there should never be a situation where anyone walks into a yoga room and thinks that they should not be there. Yeah. But that is so common. I said Santa Monica is a great example of places where this is a place where this is common. Because so many of these environments are competitive as fuck. It's like <laughs> you go in and it's like everybody is like, mm. Have you seen my Bakasana to handstand transition? You're going to see it today. You're going to know how I know how to yoga. You know what I mean? And like yeah. that kind of feeling is like, whoa, that's not how people want to feel. Or like that if someone is, you know, maybe they've never practiced yoga before and they're feeling kind of, they're feeling pretty good about it. Maybe they're not, they use a lot of props or whatever, but they're kind of finding their way through it. And then they have a teacher who's just nitpicking every single little thing. And some people really thrive in that kind of environment. Some mm. people really love. And now after years of practice, I also really enjoy having a teacher who knows their shit. Yes, I'd love to have you please adjust me and give me the extra tools. But especially when you're just getting started, you might just be trying to survive the room, especially. And that's why like, I call myself vinyasa style because that's like the overarching style, but I carry so many other lineages in the way that I teach. And the, I learned a lot from Bikram style. And I actually found that to be one of the most inclusive styles of yoga because it makes absolutely no assumptions about your body. It's just like, we're doing this. And let's be real because they are like equal opportunity mean to everyone. In the exactly. Room. Exactly. Equal opportunity mean to everyone. Oh my gosh. Like, and that the practice is so intense yeah. that it's like, it is kicking everyone. Like everyone's ass. dying. Everyone. Everyone's dying. I remember one time I was taking a class and the guy behind me, he's like one of the primary Beacon teachers at that studio. He's an amazing practitioner. And I look back and standing bow pulling pose. And this motherfucker, he was laid out on the ground, <laughs> Shabasana. He was done. And I was like, this, cause he was tired. You yeah. know? And I'm like, and I feel like that was what was so powerful about that is that we're all one, you know, but there's so many situations where I think that people get profiled and like you get and then from the beginning of class you don't feel safe and and I feel like if we can work toward making the spaces just more safe for every kind of experience so that like let's say that you walk into a class at core power or whatever like if you walk into equinox or something and like you've never been to yoga before and maybe what you need to do is sit on your mat and cry and that's the experience you need to have and like you're not getting out of child's pose you're crying yeah that you don't need to feel like that experience is less than the person who's working there like akapata bakasana to like like to doing all these things where now the teacher is complimenting that person and then, like, making you feel like you shouldn't even be having the experience that you're having. I feel like that, to me, is really the core of things. You know, yoga classes have changed a lot since I, like, regularly gone to them. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time I was taking this class that was, it was a branded class, and it was a lot of 
all of the participants in the class were yoga teachers who are prominent on social media. So I don't want to say anyone's name because you would know who these people are. But one of the people is a very prominent male yoga teacher who's he's everywhere. And he was in the front row. He was doing all kinds of transitions throughout the class. And I just remember the teacher being like, oh, my gosh, great job. So and so you're just so, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking, like, he knows. He knows. He's great. Like he's, he's, if anyone in this room knows, he knows. So I don't understand why that's like. But it's because the teacher was impressed by him and they're like excited about it. And But that becomes the standard for how we view the practice, that it's about impressing people. And that, again, is not yoga. And so no. it's like, or at least it's not my understanding of it. And, and then that's the yoga, too. It always comes back to it because it's like, and this is the question that I always have for myself whenever I'm like, whenever something rubs up against the way that I understand the practice, then I'll be like, why didn't you feel like everybody has to understand the same way that you do? That they're going through their yoga. You need to worry about your yoga. You don't need to be over here thinking about what other people are doing. So it also is a great way to check yourself. Right. Because like, but you do want the teacher to be holding that space. I mean, that is the job. Let's just be real. Like, yeah. like, that's the job of the teacher is to create that possibility for people. I'm working on, working on my yoga. Yet, so, so. No, but I just, I mean, I don't know. I think that there are many different ways to do your to practice. To kind of find your, yeah, to yeah. do your practice. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be respectful of your time, but I also... There was one part of your book that I hope you don't mind if I read it. Here I am rustling oh. with my things around. I'm going to remember it for a long time. It was just so smart and well-written. And then I want to ask you about it. Okay. Yoga students belittle their practices by constantly asking, how do I look? Yoga is not about physical appearance. It's about self-discovery. It's about realigning with your true self. So instead of asking, how do I look when pra- practicing yoga? Always ask yourself, how do I feel? When bending deeply in a warrior pose, don't think about how your body appears physically. Ask, how do I feel? Do your feet feel firmly rooted in the ground? Do your hips feel square? Does your weight feel evenly distributed? Are you feeling fire in your quads? These are the questions that actually matter. These are the questions you should actively try to answer. If your answer to how do I feel is not good, (laughs) you will be much better (laughs) equipped to strengthen your yoga practice than you would be with the answer, how do I look? I just love that because I feel like that's a question for your whole life. Everyone's whole life. You know, it's just, I want to say this to my daughter when she starts to ask me this question because she's four and she already says, is my hair long? Is my hair as long as so-and-so's? I have no idea how she determined that this was like something important to her, but right. It's like, we're so conditioned. It's in the water, dude. You know, it is, it is. I mean, and it's such a funny thing because it took me a very long time to even realize that 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 question problem is the root of so much because it's, I mean, just in a given day, how often do we say, how do I look? And how infrequently do we say, how do I feel? And when you say like, how do I feel? I always feel like the yoga mat is a great place, specifically like a good warrior two, let's say, is a great place to really start to assess like, you know, how do I feel? Because sometimes people be like, especially when it comes to warrior poses. It's just like, I just have to get into the pose. <laughs> like, I don't care <laughs> yeah. what it takes to get here. Teacher is saying warrior two, I'm gonna get there. And then you get there and you're just holding it, you know, maybe even holding your breath. You're just like, I just want to get here. And then after you say, okay, give yourself permission to breathe because you're holding your breath. Okay, so now how do you feel? 
well, I feel wobbly. Okay, why do you feel wobbly? I feel wobbly because I'm not like rooting into my big toe because I'm not rooting into the back edge of my back foot. Okay, cool. So start doing those things. Now, how do you feel? Uh, well, I'm feeling, you know, like I'm starting to get some fire going on, but maybe not that much. Okay, so you're not really feeling that much. Then you can start to change your alignment even more to really start to get into it. And I think that that to me is really where the magic of the asana even starts to happen. Because, <laughs> excuse me, if it was just about like, just get to the pose and hold it for as long as you can, and that there's no actual story to what's happening, I probably would have stopped practicing asana a long time ago, because it's not, it's not that interesting. You exactly. Know? It's not that interesting to be able to, like, who cares if you say like, yeah, you can practice yoga for hours okay cool what does that say about you as a person it's not that much it's not yeah and then that's kind of how you get to people worshiping the the asana that it becomes like like your whole worth gets tied up in whether or not you can do these things but if you say if you're just asking yourself how do I feel you're really taking the lessons and then applying them then you can really see where else should you be applying this idea because if you're asking yourself how do I feel at work in your personal relationships with your children, with your partner, like whenever you're really trying to get into that and not just about how everything looks, because there are so many, if I've learned anything in the course of this book tour, it's just, it's that people are fucking fake and they act that way because they think that they have to, because they think that like it makes other people feel more comfortable. And I think that that is so true. Like even this morning, I was having this conversation with this woman and she was just like turned all the way up. And I was in like being just like, and I was thinking like, are you even in there? Like if I tapped on your shoulder, like if I just like knock on your shoulder, are they going to be like, like, is there an actual human in there? Because I think the reason that you're trying to, because you're so concerned with how how you look mm. and how that is going to appear to other people. And it's a disease and it, it, it poisons everything. And that to me is like, if, if you can leave that hurdle, there is so much coming after that. Totally. When you stay beyond that, when you stay in the place before that, it's, it's dark. It's a dark place to be. And if you can say to yourself, how do I look in a pose? I mean, sorry, <laughs> how do I feel in a pose? And then you can say, like for me, warrior two, I feel desperate. Okay. Then <laughs> think of an appropriate response for yourself. Back off a little bit. Right. Exactly. And then you can, exactly. I, I just see to me, like that's the, that has been the role that yoga has played in my life is actually figuring out how I feel and what I need. And it's given me the tools to respond in an appropriate way so that I can figure out what I need. And then if you can figure out what you need, you're happy. Like you're free. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Because then you're free to really just like enjoy this life <laughs> to see like, how do I feel about all kinds of things? Yeah. Like you can just, you just enjoy. There's just so much joy to be experienced and it's all him. Whenever you're making all of your decisions based on how it looks or how it feels for somebody else which usually well, you know whatever yes <laughs> yes that <laughs> thank you thank you so much for talking to me today I really oh, I really enjoyed it pleasure. yeah this has been a lovely conversation and best wishes for you on the rest of your book tour thank you and um good luck I'm gonna listen to that other podcast and I'm gonna soak in the feelings okay that other teacher yeah it's the Deb, Ber- Deb Berkman that podcast I'm all over it all right all right have a good one. Thank you so much. Take care. It's my pleasure. Bye. Bye. Thanks as always for listening. You can find show notes for this episode at yogalandpodcast.com 
facebook.com slash episode 46. And I want to just give a quick shout out to Daniel Schaefer, who produces this podcast on a dime many times. Thank you, my friend. What you do makes a difference. And until next week, enjoy your practice.